Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. We are everything he says we are. We are a supernatural people. To be born again is to be born of him. We're not just born of flesh. We're born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit. Born of the Holy Spirit. We've got, that means we've got God's DNA in us. We've got His very nature in us. It's who we are. It's who we are. Now all we've got to do is just exercise. Just exercise. Feed who we are and exercise. Exercise who we are. And we feed ourselves the Word of God. We're nourished in the Word of God, and we exercise being doers of the Word. Being doers of the Word. Doing what God says about us. Living by faith. Walking by faith. Resisting believing lies. Resisting temptations. Resisting darkness. We keep pressing in to who we are. To who we are. And what we're doing is we're building up our faith. We're getting stronger and stronger and stronger. We're exercising ourselves. So we are what we are. Now we just got to nourish and exercise. Nourish ourselves and exercise. You know, just like in the natural, you're a human being. I mean, I'm sorry. You might wish you were a dog or something like that, but, but you're a human being. Nothing you can do about it. It's who you are. You don't have to try to be a human being. You never had to try to be a human being. All you've had to do is just nourish the human being that you are. And just get out and do some exercise. Go to work. Do things. Move around a little bit. And all you're doing is growing the human being up. But you're not trying to be a human being. Well, spiritually, when you come to Jesus, you're the righteousness of God. You're a spirit being, spiritually alive, got God's DNA created in his image, in his likeness. Not trying to be righteous, not trying to be godly, not trying to be any, holy, not trying to be anything. Already am. Already am. He made me that way. I can't help it. Once I gave my life to him, that's what happened. I became a child of God. I became born of God, born of his spirit. Now I'm a spirit being. That's just who I am. That's just who I am. So now, all I got to do is just nourish who I am with the Word of God and exercise myself to godliness. Not trying to be godly, just exercising the godliness that He's already made me. Right? Not trying to be a better person. How much better can you be than the righteousness of God? How much better can you be than the righteousness of God? See, religion is working. It's trying. It's striving to get there. It's trying to be righteous. It's trying to make itself better. But they know they can't do it, so they say things like, well, we're just old sinners, saved by grace. So if you see me cut you off on the road and curse at you and, and, and you realize it's me, you know, it's, hey, nobody's perfect. We're just forgiven. We're old sinners. That's just what we are. And no, that's not what the Bible says you are. You're not an old sinner. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. You've been made the righteousness of God in Him. That's who we are. 
Now, it's sad. There's a lot of folks, they get a hold of that. They see who they are. They get a hold of the righteousness of God. But then as soon as they walk away from the word, go back out in the world, they immediately identify with the lost, with sinners. They don't continue to walk in their identity that is in Christ Jesus. They slip from that. They forget what kind of person they are. See, we, we don't want to be, forget what kind of person we are because then we're going to miss out on everything God has created us to be and everything that he's created us to be able to do. So we got we to gotta get a hold of this. That's why, you know, I repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. I mean, how many times have I, have I, have I talked about some of these same things? We're the righteousness of God. We're not old sinners saved by grace. But how many of you know we need to keep hearing it? We need to keep hearing it and hearing it until, man, we're so rooted in this thing, nothing moves us from it. We walk out there in the midst of the mess, and we recognize we're not a mess. We're not a part of that mess. We're a part of the kingdom of God. We're a part of the body of Christ. That's who we are. We are seated together with him in the heavenly places. We're far above all this. We're far above all this. So we're just walking through the midst of this, bringing what we are and who we are to the table, to the world, presenting Jesus to them, presenting God to them, presenting the peace of God to them, the joy of the Lord, the righteousness of God to them. We are living epistles, bringing the life of God to the world. That's who we are. We're ambassadors for Christ. We're on a mission from God. Everybody in here is a missionary. You're all missionaries, see? You come from planet heaven. And you're here on assignment to help be a light to this world, to bring light to this world. You are a light. So just be the light. How many people know a light doesn't have to try to be a light? Light doesn't have to try to be a light. It is a light. You are a light. You're the light of the world. That's just who you are. And the only reason why you wouldn't be shining is because you forgot. You forgot who you are. You lost sight of your true identity. And you're identifying with something else. Maybe the devil's telling you. Maybe you're identifying with, with the people around you. No, identify with Jesus. Identify with him. And let's not forget. Let's remember. Let's remember who we are. Say it with me. Say, I am of I am. That's who I am. That's pretty powerful. I am of I am. He's the great I am. And I am of I am. I'm in him. He's in me. We are one. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. And when you know that you and he are one, then you know You've won. It's as good as done. It's as good as done, man. The victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. According to the word, I have what I heard. Victory today is mine. Everybody now, victory is mine. Hey, victory is mine. Victory today is mine, according to the word, I have what I heard. Victory today is mine. Hallelujah. 
Praise God. Now, songs like that will help you remember. So, you know, I'll sing it maybe a couple more times before we leave today. Who knows? And, uh, you know, you might, you might get it in you. And the next thing you know, you'll be singing it all day long. Well, you need to be. See, we need to keep ourselves in remembrance of who we are. Who we are. We are who he says we are. And he says we are the body of Christ. We are the church of the living God. The church of the living God. That's powerful. That doesn't sound powerful to a lot of people because when they think church, they think religion. You know, they think of denominations. They think of all those things. No, that's, that's man's attempt to be righteous, to be godly. We're already righteous. We're already godly because we're in God. How much more godly can you be? I mean, if you're in God, then you're godly. True? Yeah. So that's just who we are. So now we're just learning to keep that on our minds so that we walk in it. Just walk it out in our lives. But that's the church. The church of Jesus Christ is powerful, is awesome. And that's who we are. We're getting our minds renewed to the word church. We need to. A little Brillo pad in there. Scrub that out and start, enjoy, start enjoying being the church. Being the church of the living God. And so we're over here in a series looking at the book of Acts. And we see here in Acts chapter 2, the start of the church age. And it started with a bang. It actually started with a blast. It started with the sound of a mighty rushing wind as the Spirit of God came into the earth and filled 120. The church started out with 120 people. 120 people. They were filled with the Holy Spirit of the living God, the power of God came upon them. And that is how the church began. And I got news here, if it started with such glory, if it started with such power, if it started out so awesome, read chapter 2, if it started out so awesome, guess what? It's supposed to continue to be awesome. The church is supposed to continue to live awesome. People need to be in awe of church. You come to church, you're in awe of it. You get around church, you're in awe. You're in awe because church is to be awesome. It's never to change. If God started out coming in like that, filling the church up, and there's fire and glory all over the place, then it should only be increasing because God doesn't diminish God is a God of going from faith to faith, glory to glory. God is always on the upswing. He's never on the downturn. Upswing. So if you're looking for someone to invest in, invest in God because it's going up. God's kingdom's going up. God's church is going up. God's people are going up. Getting better and better and better. More and more powerful. That's how it's supposed to be. But you see, folks have gotten their eyes off the word. Started to create some other kind of thing they call the church. We're getting our eyes back on the word. Getting all this 
traditional thinking, all this man's thinking out of our heads, washing ourselves in the water of the word and getting back to the book of Acts, how it was in the book of Acts. And then how people know, once we get back there, we need to move on beyond it. Because we're supposed to be way beyond it. I said, we're supposed to be way beyond what we read in the book of Acts. We have so much more. I mean, they didn't even have the full written word of God like you and I have. They had, you know, had the Old Testament. Of course, it wasn't in print like it is today either, where everybody has a copy to carry around. I mean, you and I have the word of God. You can get up every day and get in the word of God. What an honor. What a privilege. That's not like a duty, an obligation. That's like a blessing. That's like, wow, I get to do this? Yeah, I thought this was for the priest or the pope. No, this is for you. You can do this. Get in the Word. Man, it's powerful. And so that's what we're doing. Now, a lot of folks have gotten away from it, but we're getting back into it, and we're going further and further and further into it. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God forever. So uh, in a quick review, we saw thus far that the, the early church was a praying church. They were, number two, an excited church. They were a church that came together in one place. In other words, they had in-person meetings. They weren't afraid of it either. They were united in one accord. Now, the devil don't like that. But we don't listen to the devil. We're following the Holy Ghost. They were united in one accord. Well, you don't get in one accord unless you can come together. In one place. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues. A whole lot of the church world does not speak in tongues. A lot of folks do. But a lot don't. Do we? Yes. Praise God. We're like the book of Acts. Praise God. They spoke in tongues. Number seven. They spoke about a God of miracles. In the present tense. Their message was convicting. It cut to the heart. It showed people where they were at. They told people to repent. We need to tell people to repent. Now, let me just go off on that just a little bit. You know, a lot of times in the church world today, uh, we think witnessing to people is just telling them God has a wonderful plan for your life. What we need to tell them is your life needs to be destroyed so that God can recreate it. That's why we're new creations. See, a lot of folks are not new creations. A lot of folks came to an altar call and they responded to God, but they never became a new creation because they never let go of the old creation. They've never rejected their previous life apart from Christ. They never rejected the sinful life. But coming to Jesus... It's not just accepting him, it's rejecting sin. It's rejecting that which is contrary to him. And so you need to repent of that, turn to him, and be saved. So folks need to repent. There's a a lot of folks today that are teaching we don't even talk about repentance anymore. But that's unscriptural. They did, we do. It didn't go out with the times. The word repentance didn't go out, you know, with the times. You know, we're, into a, we're in a time now where you don't, have to, you don't have to repent. No, folks need to repent, and you need to help them to know that. Number 10, they continued steadfastly in the word. That's what I love about these people. The power of God came on their life. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And, man, they jumped right in the word of God, the apostles' doctrine, and they just 
continued in it. They continued in the word. Number 11, they continued steadfastly in fellowship. They were praying together constantly. They were eating together, fellowshipping together. Number 12, they feared God. They had the fear of God about it, which is they hate evil. They hated evil. They did signs and wonders. They saw people being saved daily. Every day, people were getting born again. People were giving their lives to the Lord Jesus. So powerful. So powerful. They increased in favor. They continued to grow in favor with God and with people. And then 16. They knew they were God's gift to the world. Now, we covered all these things in great depth, in great detail. And you can go back and listen to all that over again. And I recommend doing it, you know, because you'll go back and you'll think, was I even in that service? Because there'll be so many things that you will hear that you didn't hear. You know, we don't, we don't get it all when we come together. God's doing a whole lot more than we realize, than we, than we are aware of. He's doing a whole lot more than we are consciously aware of. He's doing amazing things. And he'll just start speaking to somebody, and he'll just start setting somebody free as his word is going forth, you know, and then they're just lost in this bubble with God over here, you know, and they're not even getting the rest of the service. I mean, I'm not just talking about daydreaming, sleeping, and just missing it. You know, I'm talking about, you know, God's doing work in your life, and you're getting stuff, and, oh, man, all kinds of things are going on. And so it's busy this morning. Busy. God's busy. You're busy. You and he are connecting. Angels are moving around the cabin, helping people, stirring people, strengthening people. Amen. Lots of, lots of things are, are happening here this morning. But they knew, that's what we talked about last time, they knew they were God's gift to the world. They knew they were God's gift to the world. In other words, they knew they had what people needed. If you've got the new birth, if you've got Jesus, if you've got the Holy Spirit, man, you've got the power of God. If you've got the Word of God abiding on the inside of you, you've got the answers. You've got the world's answers to all their problems. It's not on YouTube. It's in you. A lot of folks in desert trying to find the answers, trying to find the answers, and they're clicking and clicking and clicking, and they're trying to find the answers, and they're out here on YouTube, and it's in you. It's in you. Say, the answers, the answers. are in me. Yeah, stop trying, <gasps> trying to find it out there. A bunch of people that don't know half what they're talking about. They're just as lost, as confused as can be. And a lot of folks coming up with all kinds of ideas about things. And get your eyes off of all that mess. Get your eyes on the Word of God and look to the greater one that's on the inside of you. you got to know this. You have the answer. You have Him. You have the answer. It's in your hands. It's in your, it's in your mouth. It's in you. Touch people's lives. Transform their lives. Transform their lives, man. You're a human transformer. People plug into you and they get transformed. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I'm not just playing games. I mean, this is true. People get transformed when they get plugged into you. If you know you're a transformer. 
If you're not aware of that, see, then your plug fell out. Get your plug, get your mind back. Get your, that's the plug, the brain. The mind is, is the plug. Get it plugged back in to him, to the word, to who he says you are. Get your mind plugged back into him. And you're a transformer. You with me? You're just ready to lay hands on somebody, to speak a word in season to them. Oh, this is powerful. You have what it takes to set captives free, to raise people from spiritual death. To rip them out of the hands of the devil. Pull them out of darkness. Bring them into the kingdom of his son. Come on, somebody. We're transformers. Let's keep ourselves plugged in. Can you say amen? amen? And God will flow. God will do amazing things. Now, they knew this about themselves. We see it here in chapter 3. Peter and James were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. And they came across a man who had been lame from his mother's womb, never walked a day in his life. And suddenly, Peter stopped. And it says in verse 4, and fixing his eyes on him. He didn't hide his eyes from this man and his problems. He didn't pretend it wasn't there. He He wasn't intimidated by it. He didn't look the other way. He fixed his eyes on the man. He saw a man with a problem. And he fixed his eyes on him with John. Peter said, look at us. Now, don't look at us. Just look at Jesus. Where is he? He's in us. We need to get over in the place where we talk like Jesus. And Jesus would say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Over in the book of Galatians, it says concerning us, it says, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. As I live by faith in the Son of God. As I live by faith, it's no longer I who live. Because that's living by faith. It's not you doing the living. It's you resting in him. He's living his life through you. So, look at Jesus. Look at us. Now, religious people don't like that. They think you're you're stealing the glory from God. We're not stealing anything from God. It's what God gave us. It's what God has done to us. It's what he made us. It's very pleasing to God to speak the way he expects you to speak. Not the way... Man thinks you should speak. If you listen to man, I mean, you'll get stuck in all this political correctness, all this false spiritual correctness. You'll get all ensnared by that mess. Now we want to say what God says we, we should be saying. We need to speak like the word of God is true. Look at us. They weren't arrogant about it. They just knew they had what it took. They knew what they had to help set this man free. Verse 5. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have I give you. 
What I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Notice what he did. He commanded him to rise and walk in the name of Jesus. And then what? The Bible says he took the man by the right hand. In other words, he gave this man his hand. Sometimes that's where a miracle starts. It just starts with people giving a helping hand to somebody. Just lending somebody a hand. It's so sad how many people are just so flat out too busy for people. Just so busy. Everybody's so busy running around doing this and that that, oh, they don't have time. They don't have time to reach out and help anybody. To just give a helping hand. Lend a helping hand. Give some time. How many want to see miracles? This is an amazing miracle. How did miracles start? Giving somebody a hand. Giving somebody a hand. See, a lot of times we want the miracle, which is, we could say, the major thing, the big thing. Why not being faithful with the little things? Jesus said, be faithful in the little things and you'll be a ruler over great things. So if we want to see great things, it starts with the little things. And let's get good at doing the little things. And on the way to doing the little things, God can begin to do some great things through us because we put ourselves in position for him to do great things through us. We're reaching out. We're in the love mode Not in the selfish mode. We're in the giving mode. We're in the being a blessing mode. We're not just in the bless me, bless me mode. We're in the being a blessing mode. And when you get over into the being a blessing mode, the blessing is going to come and flow through your life. But you you got to get into the blessing mode. There's a lot of people, you know, they say, oh, Lord, you know, what do you want me to do? What do, you, what do you have for me to do, Jesus? What am I called to do? And they don't receive any kind of direction or answer because they're not doing the little things. Helping some. What's my ministry? Help somebody. Huh? No, no, what's my calling? What's my ministry? Help somebody. Reach out. Give her your time. Be good at it, too. Remember this church? Talking about the early church. I mean, they came together regularly for fellowship. They were there for each other. They helped each other. We'll see more of that as we get go ahead here, uh, you know, go forward in the book of Acts. I mean, these folks were a blessing to one another. They weren't living for themselves. It wasn't all about receiving. It was about giving. It was about giving. It was about giving. Hallelujah. So he says, Lord, breathe on me. Breathe on me, Holy Spirit. He can't. You haven't exhaled yet. (laughs) You got to (sighs) exhale so that he can put some fresh air in you. (sighs) How many would like some fresh air today? Mm, I'm talking about the air of heaven. Oh, man, the breath of God. Just refresh you. Just revive you. 
That's how he wants you to live. He wants you to live breathing in his breath of life. But you can't do it unless you can exhale. You can only breathe in to the degree you breathe out. Right? I mean, you should try it sometime. Just keep trying to breathe in without breathing out. See how far that gets you. I've maxed out. I can't get any more. How many people want to get some more from God today? Are you ready? Hallelujah. Oh, that's good. Let go. Let go. Be a blessing. Help people. That's the beginning step to seeing the miraculous. Can you say amen? Remember, Jesus said if you give but a cup of cold water to somebody in the name of a disciple, you won't lose your reward. I mean, go out of your way. Giving somebody a cup of cold That's where miracles start. Giving somebody a cup of cold water. Serving. Serving people. Being a blessing to people. Remember when Jesus over in John 4 came across a woman at the well. He said, woman. He said, excuse me. He said, give me a drink. And she Looked at him and says, how is it you, being a Jew, asked me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. And Jesus responded. He said, woman, if you knew the gift of God. Here's that gift of God again. Somebody say, I'm God's gift, I'm God's gift. To, the world. to the world. Yeah, because you're a part of Jesus. And Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, give me a drink, he would have given you living water. He would have given you. See, Jesus was always in the giving mode. Oh, Lord, come down. Uh, you know, my, my servant is sick. And Jesus said, I'll come. I'll come. And he would come. And he would go to places. And, you know, it didn't like he just jumped into a nice car or something, you know. A lot of times it was on foot. A day or two's journey to get somewhere. But he's going there. For what reason? Because somebody asked him. Somebody needed his help. And Jesus went and helped people. People asked, and he gave. He was a giver. He was a blessing. We need to be givers. We need to be a blessing. Can you say amen? It's the way we get over into seeing the miraculous flow in our life. Praise God. Now, you know, if, if Christians would just do this, if they would just be led by the Spirit of God, and just, just be led, which is being led by the love of God, and want to give and be a blessing to people and make themselves available. See, it would cause them to have a confidence about them so that nobody could pressure them through guilt to give something. Because there's a lot of that in the world where there's charlatans, con artists, who prey upon church people. They prey upon church people. And so they want to get money from church people. They want to get money from. And so they beg. And a lot of times, you know, people give out of guilt. Because they don't feel they give enough and they're not good enough. And so then they give out of compulsion. They give out of guilt. But we, we don't give out of guilt. We give out of love. We give out of love. We're led by the Spirit of God. We follow him. We don't follow needs. 
We're not led by needs. We're led by the Spirit of God. We're led by the love of God. And the love of God's very discerning. It doesn't do things under pressure. I've had so many people try to pressure me into helping them. And they try to use guilt, and they'll use scripture, and they'll do all kinds of things to try to tell me how I've got to give, how I've got to help them financially. I've got to help them financially. And I'm, I'm, I'm not their provider, right? I'm not their provider. God's the provider. So I'm just going to be led by the Spirit of God. And I remember one time there was a, a couple that was coming to our church. This is years and years and years ago. And they were always, you know, in a desperate place financially. I mean, they never had enough. Their kids were in Christian school, but they never paid tuition. But the Christian school felt guilty, you know. They didn't want to throw the kids out of the school, so they kept the kids in the school, always demanding these parents that they'd pay the tuition. And so they've gotten kicked out of place to place, and now they're in a situation where they're getting kicked out of their apartment. And they have no place to go. They've got no money to spend to go anywhere. And so he comes and he tells me. He says, well, he says, we're getting kicked out of our apartment and uh, all our stuff's going to be on the street. We got absolutely no money. And, you know, he just kind of looked at me like, like, what are you going to do about it? Like, it's, like all of a sudden it's, it's my problem. What am I going to do about it? I said, well, I'll pray about it. Devil jump up on your shoulder. Pray about it. Pray about it. Now, what kind of Christian are you? You see a person in need. You don't just pray about it. Well, listen, I pray about my own needs. How much more am I going to pray about your needs? First thing I do when it comes to needs, I pray. You all relate to that? Yeah. So I'll pray about it. So he said, all right, fine. So I went and I prayed about it. I got on my knees, you know, it was the next day while I was in prayer. I just said, Lord, I said, concerning so-and-so and their situation and everything, I said, is there anything you want me to do about that? What, what, what do you want me to do in this situation? So forth and so on. And the Lord spoke to my heart. Spoke right back to me. He said, tell him to ask me. Now, that's just way too ridiculous of an answer. I mean, the guy's a Christian. He's, he, he's been in church for years. Ask him, tell him to ask you. But I knew God told me to say that. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm just going to trust God, you know. So the next time I saw him, I, I said, uh, hey, so I prayed about your situation. He said, oh, great. I said, yeah, God told me to tell you to ask him. So I'm waiting for him to just start going off, you know. Ask him. I've been asking him. I didn't, I didn't. He looked at me and said, all right. I was stunned. All right. I'm like, you mean you haven't done that yet? <laughs> I was totally shocked. Like, you haven't done that yet? He said, all right, yeah. So next thing you know, you know, I hadn't heard from him. And uh, next time I see him, he shows up at church. He had gone out of town, shows up in church, and he tithed, I think it was $10,000. Gave it, he said, tithe, $10,000 to the church. And then he handed Gene 1000 gave me $1,000. This is a guy that's never had any money. I said, what's going on? <laughs> he, said, he said, well, I did what you said. He said, I asked God. And, uh, and anyway, God, God worked it all out for me. And then he went on to tell me that 
someone passed away in his, in his family, and there was an inheritance that, an inheritance that he didn't know was waiting for him, and then all of a sudden he found out about that, so he went and got that money, and now he's got all this money, and da 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 Now, if I tried to just do something in the flesh, left God out of it, just reacting and under pressure, I've got to help him. I mean, I'm a Christian. I mean, I have to help him. Well, I did help him. I, I did help him. Silver and gold I did not give him. But I did help him. I prayed and I gave him a word from God. Simple word. You ask him. And he heard from God. And God took care of the situation. God took care of them financially. Now, I would have gotten in the way of that if I tried to do something out of guilt and pressure. You understand that? I would have gotten, out, gotten in the way of God. And on that day, I would have stood before God. I would have thought, surely he's got a reward for when I gave Charlie that money. I helped, I helped his kids stay in school and have a house to stay in. God, you know, you're waiting for a reward and God looks at you. Because why didn't you ask me? Why didn't you pray about that? Why did you just presumptuously assume that is what you were supposed to do to help him? I would have gotten rebuked on the day of judgment rather than gotten a reward. And I would have been shocked about it. And I believe there's going to be many Christians on that day. They make it to heaven, but they're going to stand there shocked like, Huh? I thought, I thought what I did was really nice. God's going to say, it's not what I wanted you to do. You were just operating out of your head, yielding to human compassion rather than yielding to the love of God that's been poured out into your heart by the Holy Spirit. There's a big difference between human compassion and the love of God that's poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We need to be following the love of God that's been poured out in our heart. Amen? So, that brings things into balance, what I'm telling you. So, we're in the giving mode, but it's out of the love of God. We're following Him. We're being led by Him. Can you say amen? amen. Let's, go back, let's go back and look at verse, uh, verse 7 again. It says, and He took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately, I love this, immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. How many people know that is a miracle? Immediately he received strength. Verse 8, so he leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and thought to themselves, isn't that a bit out of order? Isn't that a bit out of order that somebody would come to church and start leaping and jumping and running around the place? Huh? I mean, this is crazy. This is a kooky church. I got news for you. The early church was full of kooks. Full of kooks. Look at this kooky man. This kooky man. The kooky man. You got this kooky man, and he is jumping and leaping. Oh, praising God. And you probably have people going, you're ruining my song. This guy's leaping, man. He's leaping. Must I demonstrate? I mean, he is expressive. 
in praising God. Oh, hallelujah. Why? He's a little excited. Why? Because God has touched his life. God has done a miracle in his life. God has done something awesome in his life. Now, a lot of these folks did recognize him, and that's why they were so amazed. They said, wait, this is the guy that begs, this is the guy that begs the gate. But I don't even know, there are all kinds of people in this church you do not know, even though you think you know, you don't know them. We don't have everybody all figured out in here. And you don't know what people have come from. You don't know what people are going through. You have no idea what people are experiencing in their life. You have no idea what God is doing in their life. And we understand that. When we come into the house of God, we expect some awesome things to happen. Now, we might not see it all, but we might see someone express what God's doing in their life. You might need to express what God's doing in your life. I I don't think it would have been good for that man that got healed to go walking in there. And, you know, just try to fit in. Oh, I'm in the temple now. Oh, man. I'm in the temple. This is the temple. So in the temple, we don't do that. We'll do that outside. We don't do that. We'll do that at 630. We'll do that. We'll do that around the salsa, you know. But we're in church. In church. In church. And so he wanted to be, you know, religiously correct. No, he could care less about being religiously correct. Woo, he just got touched by God. God just did a miracle in his life. He better give him some praise. He better jump to his feet and shout and leap. He need to get excited. Have God done anything in your life lately? Well, there we, go, there we go again. Well, I've never, you know, jumped out of a wheelchair before. Well, that's okay. Have you ever been born again? Have you ever received revelation from God? Has ever, God ever spoken to you? You got something to shout about. I said, you got a lot to shout about. Jesus said, don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you uh, in, in my name, but that your na- names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Mm. So we expect people to get excited around here. In fact, if they don't, then something is majorly wrong. We have, we've got to go back and do something. Something's, something's not right. If people aren't shouting and praising and running and dancing and carrying on. You know. They can't do it without the whole service. You wouldn't hear a thing I'm saying. So I like that you're sitting right now. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I appreciate it. I'm not asking anybody to do anything right now. But the point is, if, if you're thinking about what he's done for you, God touches your life, man, oh, man, express. Explore, express your appreciation. Express your excitement. Express your enthusiasm in God who's here and who's with us and who's working in our life. Amen. So never be ashamed to praise in public. 
I didn't say, don't be ashamed to sing a song in public. Everybody does that. I said, don't be ashamed to praise your God in public. And don't ever judge anybody else's praise. Don't ever judge what anybody else is experiencing in God. We are not ashamed of you. We're not ashamed of you. There's that word shame. We're not ashamed of you. And you need never to be ashamed of yourself. Amen? And don't be ashamed of being a part of that church. It's so sad. It's like, it's like there's people, like they won't invite other people to the church because we have, we're that kind of church. You know, it's like they don't want to bring anybody to this, this kind of, well, I don't want to bring anybody to this kind of church because you never know what's going to happen. Something crazy might happen. You know? But that's church. I don't know. Something, something crazy happened here in the book of Acts uh, in chapter 2 where people thought they were drunk. Peter had to stand up and tell him, I'm not drunk as you suppose. <laughs> drunk, yes, but not as you suppose. <laughs> and 3,000 people gave their lives to the Lord. 3,000 people gave their lives. What is your problem? Why are you ashamed of the Holy Ghost? Why are you ashamed of your brothers and sisters? Why are you ashamed of your testimony? We need to shake off this shame. Say, no shame on me. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. It delivers people. Sets them free. Like me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hey. Come on. Woo. Hallelujah. Not ashamed. No shame here. No shame here. Can you say amen? Praise God forever. Yeah, go to one of those tongue-talking churches. That's the kind of church I go to. You mean one of those shouting churches? Oh, yeah, real loud. Yeah, real loud one. You need to come and see. Oh, I don't go to shouting churches. Oh, do you go to loud concerts? Got the biggest boom boxes. You know, the big, biggest speakers, man. Whole place is vibrating. Boom, boom, boom. But everybody's like, yeah. <laughs> I remember my brother when I was a, a young, I was probably 13 years old or something. My brother drags me to this rock concert. I won't say the name. It was twisted. Let's just say it that way. <laughs> they were just getting started. But anyway. <laughs> so, I don't know. Somehow I, handle, I got this big, huge speaker in front of me. A lot of people here, and I'm up towards the front. Got this huge speaker in front of me. Boom, I want a rock. Man. You know, I had to act like I enjoyed it. You know, you have to act cool. It's like, you know, blood starts coming out of your ear. It's like it was miserable. It was, it was like somebody tying you up and torturing you. But I'm going to act cool. It's crazy, isn't it? They like it loud in the world. Oh, not in the house of God. 
Not in the house of God. We'll save all that laughing for those funny commercials later. Dare we have joy in the house of the Lord. Joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy of the Lord is your strength. Why do you act like it? Stay with me. The Holy Spirit's still working. He's moving. God is God is moving. People are smiling. <laughs> this is a move of God, friend. Woo! Hallelujah! In church, they're smiling. They're happy. They're laughing. Something is happening. God is moving. His joy is coming back. The joy of Jesus is coming back into the house of God. It does good like a medicine. Sometimes, sometimes you got to laugh your pain away. Sometimes you got to laugh the pain away. Sometimes you got to laugh the sickness away. Hallelujah. Sometimes you just, just say, oh, Lord, take away the pain. Just say, Lord, help me to laugh. Give me some of your laughing gas. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, See, why are you doing that? This is church. I'm trying to get people healed. I'm trying to get people healed. Strengthened. Joy of the Lord. Verse 11. Let's jump right into verse 11. Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's Great, Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, now this is, this is amazing. When Peter saw it, He responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Notice, he says, why, number one, he says, why do you marvel at this? Why do you marvel at this? In other words, he's saying, why are you so shocked by this? Why are you so... You know, to them, it's like, they're not shocked. It's like, yeah. I mean, you got to say, these guys have been walking with Jesus, Peter and John, right? I mean, the Bible says at the end of the Gospel of John that the world itself could not contain the books that could record all that Jesus said and did world couldn't record all the things that he did. So we have a very, the world couldn't contain it. So we have a very, very small picture of the kinds of healings and miracles Jesus did. He just gave us what we needed. But Jesus was going about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. I mean miracles, healings, deliverances in abundance. 
This is what was going on all the time. Peter and John, they were around this for three years. So seeing this man get up, it was like, what are you so shocked? Why are you so shocked by this? We got to get to the place where we stop marveling. Where we stop being shocked at a breakthrough. We're shocked at a miracle. We're shocked because God moved on our behalf or in somebody else's life. We shouldn't be shocked by it. We can be in awe of it because God is awesome. We always, always be in awe. Wow, God, you're just, you're just so awesome. You're just so amazing. I mean, it's wonderful. I mean, it's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. We think it's wonderful, this man, what happened to him. It's awesome. But we're not shocked by it. Like, this, this doesn't happen. This doesn't happen. We should never be shocked by the power of God. It needs to become so normal to us. It'll be so continual if it just becomes normal. It'll be a continual flow of miracles, signs, and wonders when it just becomes normal to us. This is what God does. I mean, really, it needs to be abnormal when we're not seeing those kind of things happening. Now, it is interesting. This particular man, they laid him daily at that gate called Beautiful there, right there at the temple. He was there daily. That means he was there throughout Jesus' entire ministry. And how many people know, Jesus came through there many, many times. And many people were healed, and people were delivered, and all kinds of amazing things happened. But yet this man remained crippled. Why? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't, I, don't, I don't know the dynamics. The Bible doesn't spell out the dynamics. There's some folks that would try to presumptuously maybe come up with some religious ideas about it. But the bottom line is, I don't know. So that whole time Jesus' ministry was in that area, this man never experienced a miracle. But praise God, on this day, on this day, he received a miracle from God. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. So we we don't want to be shocked. We want the power, the miracle-working power of God to become normal to us. Can you say amen? It needs to become, even in our life, we need to expect it. If you're expecting it, you won't be shocked when it happens. The very fact that you'd be shocked that it happened shows that you did not expect it, which means you were not in faith about it. You have to be in faith about it. If you want to see God move on your behalf, be in faith, and faith causes you to expect. And when you're expecting, when it happens, you got what you expected. I looked at this man, I grabbed him by the hand, I pulled him up, I got exactly what I expected to happen. I'm not shocked by it. Why are you all so shocked? See, he's kind of he's dumbfounded. He's marveling at them that they're shocked. Many times Jesus marveled at his disciples marveling at the miracles and healings and things that he did. They marveled. He looked and goes, what, what are you guys, you still marveling? You're still, you're still shocked over these things? Don't you know this is what God the Father does? Don't you know he does the impossible? Don't you know he's good and he does these things? So we got to get our minds so renewed that it just becomes normal to us, you know? It's normal to us. You, know, you think about the Iraqi war, you know, that desert storm. 
Back in the days of President George Bush, remember that? The military just started, one night they just started bombarding Iraq, you know, with all these missiles and all these things. And the place was just lit up. It was just lit up. It was noisy. It was full of bright colors, you know. I mean, a lot was going on. And they called it shock and awe. It just causes the enemy to just be frozen in their maneuvers. They're just frozen. They're in shock and awe of what is taking place. And it works, you know, that shock and awe treatment. It works on the enemy. But how many people know, even though I'm sure a lot of the Iraqi soldiers were in shock and awe of what they were seeing, the U.S. military wasn't. In awe, probably. I think anybody would be in awe. I'm in awe when an F-22 goes flying by. How many people like the Blue Angels? I mean, I'm in awe of that. I mean, you see that power, these fighter jets. You see the speed. I mean, they're just incredible. I mean, they're awesome. They're awesome. So I'm sure they were in awe of their firepower and what it was doing. But in shock? No, they're the ones doing it. They're doing it. They're not in shock. They're in shock this is happening. They're not in shock this is happening. They're not frozen in their steps. This is, this is what we do. Wow, it's awesome, but this is what we do. That's you and I. It's God working through us. We're not in shock, but we are in awe of God in us and working through our lives. Can you say amen? He's flowing out of us. He's using us. God's working in us. We're not shocked by God, just in awe of Him as He works through our lives. It's interesting how they said, look at us. And then turned right around and said, why are you looking at us? It's interesting. Look at us. And then next thing they're saying, why are you looking at us? See? Notice, why are you looking at us as though we're the source of what just happened? We're not the source of this. We are just servants. We're his servants. We're not the source. God working through us is God working through us. He's the vine, we're the branches. That's why, I mean, awesome things can happen in and through our life because we know it's not us. It's God working through us. We're branches. We're branches. And he's working through the branches. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. Come on, let's thank him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you agree with that, just thank him. Praise God. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.